Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Weird Things Podcast. Special because it's very rare. It's only happened once before, but it didn't turn out the way we predicted. Uh, we actually have a guest in here. This time, the guest is, from what we understand, not trying to supervise a multi-million dollar theatrical production in the middle of doing the podcast. <laughs> so we'll be able to focus, they'll be able to focus, and it should be amazing. So as usual, we have Mr. Brian Brushwood. Hello, America, and all the sh- countries at sea. <laughs> That's Mr. Brian Brushwood, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And then you hear Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi, everybody. It's me. And our very, very special guest, Dr. Karen Stalzna. Oh, you said that correctly, and thank you for calling me special. <laughs> well, you're, well, we're all special, but I think you're extra special. <laughs> oh, great. Um, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background on Dr. Karen Stalzna, and I'm, I'm trying hard to pronounce the name. Karen will do. Karen will Karen, do. All right, thank yes. you. Made my life easier right there. Karen is quite the super skeptic, and I don't mean that in a cynical sense. She's... She is, uh, she's like actually educated, unlike Brian, Justin, and I, who basically beyond Marvel Comics, and I think Brian did college and Justin did college, but you wouldn't know by talking to them. <laughs> Karen, Karen is published. She's got her doctorate. She is a doctorate in linguistics, no less, which I suspect is because she's Australian, and reading mm. an Outback Steakhouse menu and some of those crazy words that had to come from a kindergarten, I would want to find out where they came from and what these things mean in that sense. Um, she is on, uh, you know, numerous, published in numerous different skeptical magazines. She's actually wrote for the Australian Skeptic Magazine, which I remember, which was a really great publication. She's with the San Francisco Bay Area Skeptics. She's had some really interesting comments made about her on her website. I'm going to choose two of my favorites because they're from two of my favorite authors. Steven Pinker said, clearly we have an unusual collection of interests in common, lexical semantics, skepticism. And dehumanization. I think both were con <laughs> on the dehumanization. And then my favorite, a beautiful, gifted literary slut. I just made you up in my head, <laughs> didn't I? And that was from Warren Ellis. Nice. Uh, thank you. Yes, I, you're making me realize how overqualified I am. And uh, I don't know if I ever told you the anecdote about the time I went to the Outback Steakhouse and sat down and the fellow came over and said, howdy. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, aren't you supposed to say good day? And he said, Where's that accent from? <laughs> nice. So I'm the real thing, and uh, you just didn't get it. Then you whipped it. out your boomerang and you Sacked. unleashed the wallabies. He was That's done. That's right. <laughs> All right. There was a slight conclusion or confusion on which was a knife that ensued. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and what was a beer? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All what right. So uh, we'll move past the Australian yeah, jokes. Say, now, that, now that we've gotten the most trite Australian jokes we can yeah. think of out of our system, let's yeah. move on with the Let's podcast. move on to linguistic theory. All right, so <laughs> we blow up <laughs> Australia. Yes. <laughs> so we've got a, Karen, the way we play this game, it's not really a game, but it's a discussion. We have some topics that come up that we find interesting. And then we have these scenarios. And we thought it was time to bring in a mind, perhaps... Superior. I would say slightly, but superior. much superior to our own. <laughs> so we're... why did you bring in me? Oh, <laughs> please. See, this is promising. This is good. Okay. I, it, we're, I mean, Brian eats fire. I make magic tricks. And Justin, <laughs> we don't know what Justin does. So Barely anything. Yeah. I bust our, our, tables. We're, we're <laughs> cartoon. Too. Yeah. Brian, I, we got into skepticism clearly for the money and the attention. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we all and know not... it's chock full of that. 
I did say we yeah. got into it for a smart reason, but in any event, I'm here to meet chicks. What's up, ladies? How you doing? <laughs> What's your sign? Why don't you die in a fire? There you go. So, uh, in any event, we thought it'd be great. You also do uh, you do the monster cast, so you you monster talk rather, and so yes. you you know about monsters and you can talk about them. And we, we not can so much. I think I think I'm the token chick on the show. The token chick. <laughs> That's yeah, missing. I think ah, ghosts, ghosts are for girls and monsters are for men. So they've just brought me in. I what think, about just monster to... ghosts? Yeah, that'll work. There you go. <laughs> well, you don't hear about them much. Yeah. You know, well, the, the disembodied no. spirits of the monster. And we cover everything on the show, though. We just did a, an interview with Randy at uh, the Amazing Meeting about poltergeists. Who's that? <laughs> for, for listeners who don't know. I was hoping you would know. <laughs> Andrew has worked with Randy for years and years. <laughs> so uh po- pro or con a poltergeist from randy um oh, uh, he thought the con. first one well, was good but the second one yeah. was sold out all oh, right i see where you're going uh my pop culture's crap my knowledge no, of I, pop culture um I, he... I, was, I was asking about the real thing before brian just brought it to the basement <laughs> sorry <laughs> we, we were talking about the tina reish i think is how you pronounce mm-hmm. a case back uh, in uh, as ohio in the 1984 i think um, a case of a 14-year-old who was undergoing uh, all of these experiences and and is now in jail for having murdered her three-year-old child. Well, it happens to the best of us, uh, <laughs> you say. Yeah, yeah. Troubled teenagers turn into I'm not a stranger adults. to that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, I, I, it, that's a cheery subject. Um, but, yeah, poultry <laughs> yeah, covenant. I brought everything down. See what I'm doing? Just just Thanks, promise Karen. me that no, this isn't going to be one of our scenarios that it, I it, have to deal with. Well, but I'll tell well, maybe when, when one of your children starts demonstrating weird phenomenon, Brian, and that is, that's a very fascinating idea that you just brought up there is the fact that with, I remember the Tina Reese case and what happened with her is that I wonder if we went back at a lot of those classic poltergeist cases or instances where kids were claiming psychic powers in a very manipulative way, borderline sociopathic, where are they as adults? And that could be an interesting thing to find out because you know, we know about like Steve Heydrich, what happened to him, and some of these other people did not turn out well, so... Shockingly enough. Yeah. Is it James Heydrich? Yes. Yes. Sorry. I just gave him a new first name. You can edit that. No, that's awesome. See, this is like all of a sudden Justin and I have a newfound superpower. We're like, he's not always right. (laughs) He told me beforehand he wouldn't always be right. Oh, I see. There you go. That's not a way I am right, Brian. We brought Karen in, all right? That's the extent of my knowledge, though. I I can do no more. So, well, there you go. You have to leave that in, Justin. <laughs> Done. Not really. You take that out. No. Um, <laughs> I certainly won't repeat it right now. Because yeah, we know about like, Steve Heydrich, what happened to him. Steve Heydrich, Steve Heydrich, Steve Heydrich. <laughs> so, uh, first, first, I want to come to a scenario for you, Karen. And I've been doing mm-hmm. some research today and uh, on Yetis which is sort of an ongoing project with me. I'm, I'm fascinated by Yetis. I actually have a, uh, a replica of a Yeti I've been making based upon my own sort of spiritual, introspective, <laughs> psychic intuitiveness of what they might look like. Your own so, encounters. <laughs> yeah, I haven't actually yeah. been to the subcontinent and seen it. Are yeah. the Himalayas part of the subcontinent? Because it's where they all sort of it mashes up into the rest of Asia. Does anybody oh, know? I hope- don't ask me. 
All right, if, anyhow. If you know, it's weirdthingsmail.geography. Gmail.com, everybody. <laughs> there Send you go. in your answers. So, so Interactivity. Anyhow, no, anyhow, so the Yeti. And I came across a story I had never heard before, which I thought was fascinating. And I'd, I'd heard there were stories about in some of the monasteries, some of the Buddhist monasteries have actually have holy relics that they claim belong to the Yetis. Like scalps, really? like a famous scalp, and the one there's a hand, and it turns out that part of the hand of one of these one of these holy relics was stolen from a monastery, and was absconded from Asia to the United States by none other than the actor Jimmy Stewart. A friend of his stole it, gave it to his Stewart. Stewart put it in his luggage and then left India, got it through customs, brought it back to the U.S. I- Jimmy Stewart. Wow. I, I don't know that you could have broken my brain. Uh, Mr. Smith did this? Really? Yes. yes. Mr. Smith steals a Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> so by relics, they just mean uh, evidence? Well, this in this case, it was, a, it was supposed to be hand. It was bones of a hand with tissue on it, and they stole part of it. The rest of it was still in the monastery, and then they did an Unsolved Mysteries episode on it, and people said, wow, that's there, and they stole the rest of it. When I think so, of when I think of relics, I always think of Jesus's fingers or something. Oh, this is better. This is better. Oh yeah, no, this Yeti fingers better than Jesus. Boo. Yeah. Um, More real. Yeah. yeah. All right. So wait, hold on. Number one, like what a tremendous lack of security that they're just letting any white guy roll in and rip off this well, Yeti hand. Right? Buddhist, Justin. I mean, they're, they're so kind what? of mellow. Do, do Buddhists do they take a vow of you know looking the other way? No, they can they can protect their neck. Yeah, but you suddenly, hey, I'm I'm buddies of Jimmy Stewart. Mind if I come in and have a look around? Oh, sure, please come look, please, whatever you know, and steal. I don't I don't know if it's a high traffic monastery either. See, uh, and Buddhists are like notoriously hard to get a rise out of. So it's like, I wonder if this is all like, guess what? Guess who's got your Yeti fingers right here? This guy. Anything? So here's the, anything? So here's the scenario. So Karen. Pull my Yeti mm-hmm. finger. Karen, mm-hmm. you, Justin, Brian, and I, we hop on a plane. Okay. G6 okay. jet. We go to, I guess it was Nepal, whatever. We go there. We go up to this monastery and we see under the glass... This paw, this humanoid-looking paw with some tissue on it. And they say, oh, yeah, that's a Yeti paw. Mm-hmm. And we all sit there. We're looking at this thing, and we realize this could be groundbreaking. We have techniques now with genetic research. We could look at this under all sorts of big science-y things. We mm-hmm. could find out <laughs> once and for Technical all. Technical terms. Exactly. If there's something there, okay? Mm-hmm. I say, Karen, turn around for a second. Let me see your backpack. Okay. Brian, go eat fire for the Buddhist monks. Okay. And I put it in your backpack. Hey, what, what do I do, Andrew? Huh? Gear out in the front yard screaming like a wild man or something. Like, see how I don't long you can like, last in the cold without like, any shirts. Hey, hey, Justin, how about you go count those bricks real quick? <laughs> Very subtle. Need, need you to boil some water, buddy. The children, the children are still throwing rocks at you, Justin. Sure. So, so I slide this into your backpack, Karen. Mm-hmm. What do you say? My handbag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Handbell took me a your second. Your purse. Sorry. Your big Gucci purse that you that you hiked. My purse. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do? If we got the whole hand. You could say it was a clutch. I'm telling you now, it's a bear. So like, no, I. <laughs> 
Whoa, 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 whoa. This is evidence. You don't just jump ahead like that, okay? We're in the monastery. Look around. You see the light streaming through here. Up the hill is where Batman got trained, okay? So you're in the monastery, okay? Light streaming in. We hear that gong. Smells like incense. They're making tea somewhere, okay? Like, like if, it, and, if it helps you get into the mood, imagine that we've all, like, you know, they, they slip something into our tea to where, like, we all believe it. Like, this is the no, claw of Yeti. Have, I, I'm it's saying like Kava Kava to, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I'm, it, I'm saying we don't even have to. I'm just saying that we have to, like, this is the thing people said. This is the thing. We don't know. We don't know, okay? But we're up there. The people are dressed all very colorful because that's what you do in third world countries. You dress them colorful so you forget <laughs> they're poor, okay? So you just pissed <laughs> off the one guy listening from a third world country right now. No, he knows what I'm saying. It's like no when, when you when you want to go to another enough do a, of this. When you want to do like, hey, it's, it's just true. We do. We wear lots of colors. Well, it say, is true. Whenever whenever we go and we make movies in like poor countries, and we want to sort of hide the fact that these people have some difficult conditions they have to deal with, like dress them brightly. <laughs> so here's my question. So we're there. So are are mm-hmm. you okay with this? Because like, are you okay with me help having you help us smuggle this out of there? Well, no matter what, it yeah. is theft. Right, like we well, can all I mean, agree hang on, hang on. somebody stole something. it from the Yeti to begin with. I mean, there it's it's the Yeti's body. Exactly. So this is a, a an ethical and moral quandary that you're posing to me, right? Yes, yes, yes. And this is, and this is going out live. Well, not no. live, but this is going well, out to the public. Yes, yes. no. <laughs> well, I guess in so, initially we should attempt to test it uh, in a, a moral and ethical way and ask if we can somehow subject it to. Um, to testing before right, boom, we, we boom. nick we're, it. We're, we're round up and all killed. Congratulations, yeah. Karen. Uh, way, <laughs> way to murder all of us. Yeah, it's choose your own adventure. Uh, now, let me uh-huh. say, my moral and ethical quandary, it's like, if this is it, it's like, do we really want to put the whole Yeti myth to bed? I mean, like, it's just over. We now know. I don't think I would anyway. I mean, even if that was disproved, it would still live on as a legend. Yeah, but if it was I proved. They have proved. Yeah, the skeptic oh, proved, was proved. disproved. Oh, yeah. I don't what think we if? can be trusted then. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, what if there's a cure for cancer in that Yeti DNA or at least male pattern baldness? Certainly, like, <laughs> there's, there's, there's certainly too many people that in America today who have hands that are bearing entirely too little white fur. And this could be what <laughs> saves the day for them. Now, uh, no, back to reality and all seriousness. There's another way to solve that too, at least yeah. according to, yeah. to legend. What, what, <laughs> what is it? Oh, yeah. Stop. Yes. It took me a second. It took me a second. Two for two. So, Karen cleans boy. <laughs> so do you help us steal the Yeti paw? Well, I'd have to. Mm-hmm. I'd have to. This is for right. science, Good. right? Absolutely. And we for could, science. We could, we could send it back. We could send it back to them if sure. we wanted. Oh, after yeah. we're done with Duh. our road, after oh, we're done with our road show, yeah, I was gonna say, come on, nobody gets a yeti hand and hangs it from their neck like a like a flavor flave chain and then wants to give it back. All right, once you've got that paw in your possession, you're gonna hold on to it with, with all your gosh darn might. I and if say. it doesn't turn into like yeah. the treasure of the Sierra Madre, where we're fighting over the hand as we leave, <laughs> this is the part where like we start playing the Ocean's Eleven music, and all of a sudden we explain the plan. And it's like you know, Brian, you steal the hand, put it in this handbag. Justin, you grab that hook, attach it to the <laughs> Yeti corpse, and tell everyone it was always that way. And it's like we we, we do this elaborate heist. And then we can sell well, it for- apparently they, it wasn't that big of a deal because the Buddhist monks are just sitting around letting Jimmy Stewart, you know, walk in and his and buddy rip off wasn't a- Stewart. 
Okay, so yeah. Jimmy Stewart gets on the phone and says, Stewart hey, was the go Yeti. Steal me a Yeti here. No, no, oh, Stewart was on. the Yeti mule. He was the guy that got it out of India. Oh my God! The imagine, mole. imagine that. Imagine him having to having to uh, pack that Yeti hand a special way to get it through customs. <laughs> I'm sure celebrities know all sorts of ways to pack things they don't want customs to see. <laughs> I don't know. The fact that they're else. all Buddhists <laughs> makes it clear. It's like, what's the sport? It's like we could just walk up and be like, "Hey, we're taking your Buddhist. We're taking your Yeti hand," and they're like, "Please don't." And you're like, "Guess what? Sorry, yeah. yoink." What? <laughs> hey, he, he, he just looks us in the face and goes. I've already forgiven you. It's like, wow, this is <laughs> well, the this is the be- you are the best person to rip off ever. I think it would be harder to get it through American customs than it would to get it out of the country. Yeah. You know what? One of us has to wear it as a glove. That's the only way. <laughs> Back to the other theory. <laughs> so so we, we, we've got the sort of idea, okay, we could probably get it out of it because these are the kind Buddhists and not like the 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 militant kind that like, you know, the they don't know kung fu. They're not the the, the or, Shaolin AK forty sevens or whatever. Right. Okay, so uh, the, the so philosophical got ones. Yeah. So I, I so you you said all right. There's an ethical problem here, but what this could do for science mm-hmm. is so much more. Of Amazing. course, if we bring it back and we find it's just a bear paw, you're gonna feel you're gonna look at me like Andy. Really? No. But really? then we can then we can sell it for traditional Chinese medicine. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, but, well, I mean, now this is an interesting thing. Like, do you be, feel beholden to write the monks? Like, listen, I stole the hand of your yeti. <laughs> Turns out it's a bear bear paw. Just wanted you to know. <laughs> Love, Karen. Like, no, do, you, do you write that letter? Oh, well, why would I be the one to have to do that? Wouldn't that be you? <laughs> I say That's we Justin go work. back. That's why we call I, it Justin work. I say we go back to the <laughs> monastery. And there's the empty case, and they're crying. They're like, oh, well, you know what you should do? My teacher had a saying, just turn out the lights, and whoever took it just puts it back in the case. Yeah. <laughs> an armistice here. There we go. All so right, I, here's here's an idea. What if we bring it back, but we have a, a little animatronic magic sewn into it, so we bring it back, and it does little, maybe it crawls around for them, like some really simple robotics. I'd wait like, for you guys come in. It. It's like... It like it's like it's like pimp my paw. We're, we're giving it all these new different features. It's an HGTV show. We're like, we took your paw, and now it gives you the finger. What? <laughs> what? Or, and now we've got ten flat screen TVs. <laughs> so uh, Karen has sort of jumped Zip to a conclusion and decided that the Yeti sightings that it's bear, but it's all a bear. Well, that that's um, my favorite. I'm element. sorry, that's not very skeptical, is it? I shouldn't have done that. Well, I'm just saying, like, Andrew Andrew covertly, you know, slips this Yeti pod into Karen's uh, aptly named handbag, and immediately her first reaction is to turn to him and say, bear, bear, it's a bear. Why are you doing this? It's a bear. Like, I'm trying to rip something off from a bunch of Buddhist monks. Can you play along, please? Yes. Well, maybe it's not the first thing I'd say, but it's what I would be thinking then. All right. So uh, why do you think that it's a bear? I guess so many claims that I've encountered so far um, of Bigfoot and Sasquatch and the Yowie, which is the Australian version, turn out to be bears. Not so much in Australia. There could be many other things instead, but that's just a sort of stereotype, I guess. So it's like like bear, bear would be the Yeti and Bigfoot in the same way that like mangy dog is the chupacabra. Right, like I think so, yeah. nine out of ten times, it's just a mangy dog. They call it. It's a syllogism, bear. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are like there are like more than like three species of bear that live in that area, and that certainly in one interpretation of the word yeti in Tibetan does mean rocky bear. 
I think we might be jumping to conclusions here. I believe though. the because... literal translation is bear that people keep confusing for some kind of ape man. Karen, so Karen, tell us yeah. about what you do with linguistics. Oh, I, I think nowadays I'm more a skeptic than a linguist. I mean, I do some research uh, at UC Berkeley, um, Cal, and that's into endangered writing systems. Uh, I've worked as an adjunct lecturer in linguistics in lots of different areas. I think nowadays there aren't too many jobs in, in linguistics, so I teach wherever I can a number of topics, so nothing specific. And I guess essentially linguistics isn't about speaking lots of languages. It's about working with the nuts and bolts and structure of language. Well, let me then let me ask you this then going back to Yeti, because in my limited understanding of Yeti and part of the problem is in us trying to understand what's there is people from that area, the Tibetans have their own language and their own words for describing things. And we try to find out what does Yeti mean? They say, well, Yeti or that part might mean rocky. Then the other part mm -hmm. could mean bear. But then we can go, oh, well, it's a bear. But the problem is, is that. For me and us, bear means one thing because we have a Western idea of a cladiogram and where things come from and what categories things go into. But in other countries, or like in Tibet, bear could mean just some big hairy thing on the mountain with sharp teeth. That's true. And I don't quite know what Yeti means. I mean, you referred to it earlier, but uh, I guess it could be dialectal versions as well. And so it could be uh, uh, lost in, in translation what that actually means in their language as opposed to ours. Uh, so I'm I'm not quite sure. Well, then you have okay. So that that certainly is that's one of the things I realize that I have the bias whenever I look at these things to go well. In my own experience, I look at that, and you take let's say the orangutan, which mm -hmm. you guess basically kind of means like there's like whenever you have large hominids or large apes and people around them describe them, they'll often use some of the similar sort of terms in their own languages, their own words for it, but they mean sort of the same thing, like wild men or wild forest men. Well, yeah, we do that in English. We say the ape man or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I visited Willow Creek. Have you heard of that area? It's in California where the Patterson-Gimlin footage was shot okay, in yeah. 1967. Oh, yeah. And uh, a lot of the local sketches of, uh, of Bigfoot According to the woman who runs the museum there, she thinks they look like hippies rather than, <laughs> rather than some other kind of non-human primate. Um, but yes, I, which, I guess Which is we... my term for hippies, actually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> non-human yeah. primate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I guess it's, it, it could boil down to a matter of, of dialect and translation. Um, what's actually meant by that, that term? I'm not really sure. So the, 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 the problem in trying to hold on to some of these ideas for as long as we can is, is that we've explored more and more of these places, the room for them. That's the problem with Bigfoot. Mm. Uh, we all love Bigfoot and big fans of Bigfoot. But the idea that we're able to sustain a large hominid or ape like Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest or what have you, it seems increasingly remote that you could have a sustainable population of that. And well, yeah, I think uh, to have uh, a sustainable population, uh, you need to have, uh, of any creature, you need to have about 20,000. So virtually a small community of this creature. And Bigfoot is very elusive. We just have the odd sighting and mostly mm -hmm. sightings involve hearing a sound or, uh, or just seeing uh, a creature or something like that. So they're not very convincing to begin with, but there would be so many of them. We'd definitely see more than people actually do. Unless they're changelings, Karen. Did you think about that? Yeah. I, Plus, I didn't I hear didn't. anything about the eighth dimension. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I've definitely heard of some. Doctor. I've definitely heard of some hyperdimensional theories of Bigfoot and how he can just escape into a different plane. All right, now you've been talking our language. Yeah, now you're talking yeah, our yeah, language. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who hasn't? Ho oh, hum. Well, I was a. I think I mentioned this before. I was once. It, Brian and I both were were at a place where we're. I walked into a discussion, and the discussion was there were two or three guys talking about UFOs, and they decided that UFOs were either alien or interdimensional travelers. But the mm. question that was, was which one. Yeah, it was which one. That's what this which, show's which, about. Yeah, they were like, which is, is, is are they aliens? Or are they interdimensional travelers? And I, I'm in quiet. I'm like, well, those are the possibility that they're, they're not real. Kept my mouth shut. And then somebody else walked in and had a very clever observation. He says, what about time travelers? Mm-hmm. And the other two go, oh, yeah, there is another possibility. <laughs> How are they so qualified they ha- to decide anyway, which is true? Well, they have open minds, Karen. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, now, Karen, I don't think what you're understanding is that they were at a table and were talking. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and was there alcohol involved? Uh, no. This may have been a Denny's. It's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah. I just like the idea. Alyssa drugs. <laughs> that was their idea of open-mindedness was they were receptive to the idea that it could be time travel. <laughs> so <laughs> It's gorgeous. Which, which yeah. we really can't write off. Which... Uh, uh, not with string theory, no. Uh, I, I do have a, I have a fan scenario. You have a yeah. fan scenario? All right. So we, we've got to the point where we have like the ultimate fan interaction where some people do works of art and then fans have to go create fan fiction. Which I hear there's some fantastic Brian and Justin slash fiction out there, which I have no interest in. But See, exists, this is the apparently. problem: is that the moment you say that, I guarantee you somebody's going to make Brian and Justin slash fiction. Not well, looking I mean, forward there's, to that. There's already been. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not like we don't have a known slash fiction writer who's a fan of the show, <laughs> and once may or may not have sent illegal whale meat. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, we got on a subject once about whales, and one of the people here may or may not have received a package in the mail which contained a tin of actual whale meat. <laughs> From Japan. And, and promptly and- tweeted, hey, look, I've got whale meat, and somebody else had to tell them, you know that's illegal, that's like a you know five years in jail, a $20,000 fine to have that. And my favorite is the way Ooh. this person may or may not have contextualized it, saying, that's kind of like saying, look at this bag of pot I just bought. Exactly. <laughs> that would I have guess- a lot. So was it eaten? No, no, no it, it was wasn't. not. It was what not happened eaten. to it? Hypothetical was it sent or back? otherwise, it definitely wasn't. I, no, yeah, no, it was definitely not eaten. It, it definitely is in <laughs> my closet somewhere. Um, <laughs> oh man, you just way to go, right. genius! <laughs> no, 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 that's no, that's uh, that's uh, that's a euphemism. <laughs> in my closet means in my belly, right? Yeah. The unicorn meat <laughs> is in the magic chest. That's sure. what you say. Exactly, exactly. Dude, uh, if you're going to go through all the risk, hypothetically, of having this contraband, is that why are you not going to cross that line, bro? Hypothetically. It's going to be gross, hypothetically. Dude, what, the way deer and other, you know, mammals are Other gross? sea mammals? Yeah, <laughs> but that's like, that's like prepared by people. This just looks like spam in a can, but like... But hypothetically, couldn't you hypothetically. grill that up? Throw a little, throw a little Cajun wait, seasoning wait, 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 on wait, that? Back up, back up. Who prepared this then, Justin? No, it's just the the merman. Did merman prepare this <laughs> one and send it to you? It's, How's it's it eaten? Tin. 
How's it, it eaten? Do you cook it or is it's already pre-cooked? I don't know. I assume you just open it up like cat food and go at it with a fork. <laughs> <laughs> well, hypothetically, has it, like it even been open yet? Tin. No. Hypothetically, it hasn't. Well, then hypothetically, <laughs> how would you know until you cook that stuff up and eat it? Hypothetically. Spoken like a true Texan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know. Maybe, maybe that'll be it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe hypothetically there'll be some hypothetical. So we're situation. hiking down the you know, mountain with our Yeti paw. And <laughs> <Anyway>. we're hungry. <laughs> all right, all right. And, and I'm like, I pull it out and I'm like, does this look like jerky to any one of you guys? Here's the thing is at some future episode, Justin just needs to clearly be eating something. And we won't say <laughs> what it is or why he's eating on the podcast. We'll make no reference to it at all, and the fans will know. Maybe matter. Maybe we'll save it for like if we ever do like a like a live event or something. I feel like this should be something that that you know gets gets broken out during a special occasion. It'd be like the fine china of this retarded podcast. <laughs> to any 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 federal officials listening to this podcast, uh, remember that Justin Robert Young is responsible for his own actions, and we're talking purely <laughs> in the hypothetical. Anyway, plus we're against the- it. Plus, yeah. Yes, exactly. So, Except so, for I, we, so, so yeah, no, the point is that the guy who sent that in uh, also wrote slash fiction about Brian's uh, Brian's young underling, OMG Chad, who uh, is is a, a character on our NSFW show and, and loves this podcast. So I'm sure he's listening. And, uh, you know, so there we will comply. So thank you for there we go. Yeah. So we, we get people who send us in scenarios because they get a see how we handle and interact with them. And now we have the, the mm-hmm. awesome element that you're here. So it may not go in the normally predictable route where we end up eating Brian's family. God, oh, I hope they send in family. some stuff for me. All right. Well, I think, I think your family can rest easy on this one. It's sent yes. in. Uh, this is from- worse than monster talk, having to fight with everyone for something to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go. No, th- this will be a pretty open, uh, open wide one. All right. This is from Sebastian in Orlando. He, uh, he writes, one of you discovers slash invents a device that allows you to travel to another dimension. You use it to find yourself before the feet of a giant ethereal being that knows the answer to any question you could ever have about anything. He's willing to answer about absolutely anything, but there are a couple of catches. Number one, once a question has been answered by him, you are immediately thrown back to the dimension you came from. Number two, Not only are you thrown back, but something small has changed about it. Perhaps it's something trifling, like Brian's hair now being short, bright yellow, and parted down the middle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, he refuses to acknowledge that once the change has happened, the world refuses to acknowledge that it was anywhere uh, previous. Number three, you may travel back to the other dimension, knowing all this as many times as you like, but each time you are thrown back, the changes in your dimension get worse and worse. And number four, uh, ask nothing and you may return to your dimension with no changes. So, do you ask anything? What do you ask? And how many times do you do it? This is mm. the greatest question we've ever received. This, uh, he also, the postscript on it is that this scenario is brought to you by watching too many episodes of Stargate SG-1. He started from season one and he's on season four now. Well, I think we should start with our guest. Unless you want to pass and then come oh, back to you. I think I want to pass for now. I need to have the whole question repeated to me. Oh, I weren't you the one who was talking about us talking over each other, not getting the chance, and here, here is your opportunity. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Brian, you, you take this one first. All right, look, uh, I'm not going to lie. So, yeah. first of all, you got I'm, I'm, I'm going to be playing the role of the giant ethereal being. Okay, thank you. Uh, first of all, not an option, because it's clear that the first time it's going to be a minor thing, right? 
So it's like uh, the, the, a minor thing that's different. So it's like first time you got to do it at once. Like like not asking anything is not an option. Like I get it. Okay, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not the same universe, and maybe Penelope spells her name with an O E. You know, it's like whatever. You know, but um, you got to do it at least once. And if you are doing it at least once, it might as well be something that makes you a buck. Oh shoot! But the first time you got to do it, you got to test to whether or not the mystical being is full of BS. Cause I was going to say, it's like, you just find out who wins the Super Bowl and you put a bunch of money on that. Uh, oh no, here we go. Um, you, you ask like, what is the, uh, the highest return? By the way, there's, there's a time limit and you're really getting on the nerves. The All right. Giant ethereal listen, being. listen, uh, uh, Oh, great giant ethereal being. I have Yo, a question for what you, up? sir. What's going on? My question is what is the highest returning mid cap stock? in quarters two and three of 2010. Uh, stock symbol B-A-R-Q. Awesome. Uh, thank you. And so, and, okay, okay. All right, so you're gone. As soon as I answer, you're gone. You're right. out. Okay, and, 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 and I find myself in a world where what's different? What's different? Uh, you find yourself in a world where uh, sporks have replaced uh, all spoons and forks. Oh my God, there's just <laughs> sporks? Just sporks. So you're telling me not only do I get to know the highest grossing mid-cap stock, but I also get to invent the fork and the spoon? No, 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 no. It's just like, you know, now... Well, those are just, old hat. Nobody yeah, uses Yeah, no, yeah, those. yeah. You just see in, like, 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 through history, there's a picture of Abraham Lincoln using a iron spork. Spork, all right. Like, that's just all that's ever existed. <laughs> see, it's like... Do that's what I'm down with, because first go-around, it's like, it'll be something that'll make me bucks and verify everything, and, yeah. and now I know... So it's and and I probably will go back for like some big payoff. All right, now now by the way, you guys all came through at the same time, and and you guys are all on the same tab, right? Right. It's not like you know Brian gets to go there and come back. Like right now, you've already used yeah, your I'm super gone. minimal I'm change, gone. and Brian's gone. So Andrew and, I'm and Karen getting a very reasonable return on my investment at this exact yeah. moment. Uh, and also, you completely used it only for your own financial gain. Yes. Oh, and, I'm, I'm sorry. Was. Was there ever a chance it would be otherwise? I'm just saying, you, Andrew, and Karen are, I mean, like, you didn't consult. You just you just took your shot and left. <laughs> so this next one could be something us. major. Giant ethereal right? being, I don't remember judging you you're during gone. our brief So unless you came back, did you come back? No, not yet. Then, boo, you're gone. Right, I'm you're gone. You're out of here. Boo, All Brian's right. gone. All right, Andrew and Karen are here. I'm just going to say, it's a really selfish move by Brian. <laughs> A really selfish move. <laughs> what do we expect? All right. So Andrew, Karen, do you ask a question or do you do you cash in your chips and just uh, leave this row? I'd ask a question, but this is just sounding like Sylvia Brown. What was that? This is sounding like Sylvia Brown to, no, to just not. ask Woo! one question. All right. Ah, right. meaning of life. You're what's gone. what's the You're meaning gone. of life? Uh, no, all right. You have to come back for that one. Uh, yeah. and by the way, uh, point, welcome to Spork World, Karen. <laughs> you and me eating with our sporks. Yum. Number one, yeah. Uh, it's Spork World, and the uh, color of the sky is now green and not blue. Oh man. <laughs> completely changing how we view colors and, and beauty oh, uh, reaching yeah. consequences okay so, no, so you've come back into a world that you do not recognize and you can't <laughs> find a goddamn fork to save your life um and really wow 
And just in that right now, just the ethereal being an Andrew, Brian and Karen, have you decided uh, to come back and ask another question or not? Uh, I have. Definitely. All right. So Brian's back. Karen, do you decide to come back? I'll come back. All right. So you're back. Andrew, you're up. You're, you're, you're next in line. And I would just <laughs> advise you to let's, let's make this one count a little bit more than, than, than Karen did because the, the stakes were only oh. getting higher. Well, I, I would, I mean, how long do I get to berate both Brian and Karen for their choice and questions? You want to know what? Normally, he has a really short attention span, but uh, he really is kind of just flabbergasted. I, I totally thought that was going to be his question, and he was going to say five minutes. <laughs> boom! <laughs> that was a question. Hey, by the way, uh, Brian, thanks for reminding me. Two seconds. Boom! <laughs> and so, so what, Andrew's what? gone. And that wasn't, no, I was, that wasn't my question for the ethereal being. Uh, what is it then? Because that was a hypothetical. That was a meta question. So <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you know, well, mine was a meta game, question too. Then all right, all right. No, all right, no. Well, yours was too. That about no. Mine was you know how much time I was going to have to berate them, which was to in general not to the ethereal being because I would take as much time as I wanted though. Um, anyway, <laughs> Brian. But my here's my thing. The mid cap thing is good, but here's the problem: is you're going to have to have a lot of capital to try to really capitalize on that. Go on. Are you, so, are you saying you want, you want in on this? Is that what's going on? No, 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 no I'm saying that I would just ask for like the Powerball numbers. Mm. Oh. Mm. I mean, well, that's, I, pre- I, that's as predictable, predictable as mine. Well, well, no. Well, one, yes, it's as predictable as yours because it makes sense. But yours, me, is it coming from a non-believing atheist skeptic point of view? I'm going to ask what the meaning of life is. I think there's no answer to that. So I'm going to go for cash. Wow. So we both just got <laughs> bitch slapped. Go on. No, yeah. no, you made your own choices. So what, so what is it. what like, is it going to be, Mister Maine? I'm like, listen, they've already screwed up the planet. They've just, if I'm, I'm just gonna like when a when the final button gets switched and whatever the final evil twist of this happens, where I lose my genitals or whatever. Sure. Um, I'm saying I might as well be rich. So I'm just Powerball. Give me the Powerball numbers. So you're a magician, don't you know these things already? Oh, you're a linguist. Don't. Do you know uh. what I'm going to say next <laughs> with the words? Uh, I've definitely had that. <laughs> Doesn't take any great uh, character. Great ethereal being, that I have a question. Great, right. great ethereal being. Uh, before you ask it, hold on. Number one, I'm going to scribble down real quick the Powerball numbers. I throw it at Andrew Main. Oh, and he returns, he returns to a world uh, in which uh, Pangea has reunited. So now everybody's on the same continent. Wow. Wow. Imagine the wars that'll be possible now. Uh, Mr. Mr. Ethereal being. Yeah. This will be my, this will be my last question. And after this, you will return me to a universe in which I hope to do the greatest good for the greatest number of people. All right. Upon my return. Now, number one, let me just tell you, you've done immeasurable damage to the world you once knew. It started off as very cutesy and fun with the spork thing. Now you've literally uh, altered the, 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 the geopolitical makeup of, of so many people. How civilizations have been built and have thrived are changed forever. Who now, knows even what society it, is possible yep. now that so much of it is landlocked? Your, your Honor, in my defense, that was Mr. Maine that actually Do you that really? Line. Listen, you all showed up. <laughs> here and started asking questions you're all running up the same bill okay if all of a sudden your friend orders four hundred dollars in chicken wings you can't be like whoa sorry i can't pay for that my other my friend did that no Shoot. you i shouldn't have come back i should have stayed in the <laughs> <I'm> world like, <laughs> i'm just saying if you 
You you got to recognize it. This is going to be something greater than Pangea making a big fat comeback. All right. <clears throat> uh, it better great, be good. Oh, great interdimensional being. Yeah. What shall I set my life toward when I come back home in order to cause the greatest amount of benefit to the lifespan, the health, the well-being, and the satisfaction with their lives to all of humanity upon my return. It doesn't involve you having to murder your family. <laughs> you know what? Everything's on the table. <laughs> <sighs> you know what? 42. Didn't you read that book? Oh, no! Interdimensional <laughs> being! <laughs> and by the way, you go back to a world... Uh, in which everybody is algae. You didn't mention you didn't mention <laughs> that the interventional being was a dick, all right? That was not in the scenario. They always are, Brian. Always so there are. we go. You you've completely reverted the the history of Earth. We you you go back <laughs> to a rock that is united on one continent and comprised solely of algae. All right, Karen, I'm going to say at this point, all is lost, and you might as well just keep hitting the refresh button as often as you want, because it can't get worse than this. Well, I've got one final question, haven't I? Yes, Well, yeah, I know. You can keep asking. Oh, and, no, and that wasn't it either. No, 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 no. Like, I'm gone. <laughs> that, that was more the, the rhetorical question was, or yeah. meta meta question of, of Andrew's doing. Sure, sure, sure. That, so, that's a loophole. So, Brian, are you, are you still in algae world? I'm in algae world. I'm not coming back because you gave me the answer, and I'm going around like I'm scooping up algae and forming it into the shape of the numbers four and two, <laughs> and I'm just like, this is going to change everything and cause the world to be great. Good, okay. good point there, Justin, because your answer actually, what he should do, doesn't seem to apply because it's algae now. Yeah. Look at that. All right, uh -oh. Karen, Andrew. So I mean, okay. at any point, you can just cash in Freaking, these chips. Freaking Andrew's just like, it. you found Final. a brand new way to screw over Brian. Well <laughs> done, my friend. Final question. All right, was go it, ahead. Was it a Yeti or a bear? <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want to know what? Oddly what? enough, it was a Yeti. Woo! <laughs> 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 All right, my it goes final back question. to a universe where the sun explodes. Wait, you came back after winning the Powerball? You're kidding me, right? <laughs> Although, yeah. by the way, imagine what that jackpot is on Pangea World. The Powerball. <laughs> yeah, they unify everything. Not just the continent, but all bank accounts are unified. All oh, Powerballs sure. are unified. So uh, my, my final one is, how do I keep my cash and undo all the damage that Brian and Karen did? See, there we go. Finally. Finally, somebody is putting this grand ethereal being to good use. I, I produce... A dusty report in a trapper keeper, and I hand it to Andrew, which details an explicit, uh, you know, step-by-step -step instructions how to rebuild society in two and a half weeks. And I send him on his merry way. And the only thing I change now is, I don't know. Everybody speaks in pig Latin. No, no, it, uh, dude, you missed it. I totally thought you were going to say, the only thing I changed now is Weird Things is the number one podcast. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> How altruistic. There we go. Uh, so there we go. And at this point, is everybody cashed out? I mean, uh, Andrew, uh, bravely, is the only one who has actually saved humanity, who actually gave... Hey, 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 uh, hold on. I'm the one scooping the algae. This is going to do the greater good. <laughs> yeah. Or... Four and two. Four. 
And, and I thought it was meant to be just one question. What per, do you mean? Per visit. One question per visit. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Now it's clear. <laughs> <laughs> that is that an interesting sort of idea that we're stuck with. And anytime you get some great, cool gift, there's that horrible price to pay that you don't know what it's going to be. The sport Indeed. fee, as we like to call it. And by the way, all right, I do want to thank Sebastian from Orlando for sending that in. If you want to send in your own scenario, it is weirdthingsmail at gmail.com. All right, so Karen, you're, Let's... You're, you're an expert on ghosts, right? So you're, you're a big uh, an expert on something and... that doesn't exist. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, way to kill it, spoil sport. Uh, yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> Darth Vader was his father. Uh, no, I'm keeping an open mind on that. Uh, or I'm out of a job. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Listen, let's 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 not jump to the chase right away, okay? So Okay. Ghosts, okay? So uh you're mm-hmm. an expert on ghosts, all that, and then you, you just it's blurted out your total lack of belief. You're just you're just closed mindedness on the issue that you've just decided that they're not real. Uh, I'm the one who keeps investigating them, so <laughs> So who is the, the more foolish? The fool me. that believes in them or the skeptic <laughs> that says they're not real? <laughs> <laughs> so you decide you hear about some spooky story about a ghost somewhere in New England, whatever. Okay? Mm-hmm. Some hotel or whatever, okay? Hmm. And somebody told you about it. It's not like a hotel or that says, oh, we've got ghosts. Come see. You're like, oh, there's room 22. It's spooky. Mm-hmm. My friend stayed there. He saw a ghost. You got to go. I even have a photograph of something blurry um, and white. An orb. <laughs> no, not an orb. Not an orb. But those are real. <laughs> yeah, those are interdimensional <laughs> travelers. Those aren't Yeah, ghosts. exactly. Come on, okay. man. Get it together. Well, I'm, I'm, told, I'm told that nine out of ten are dust or... or moisture and only one you know is it a ghost yeah they okay. don't bathe because they traveled from another dimension all right they're a well, little bit dirty you don't have to be nasty to them all right actually actually <laughs> if i may speak scientifically here motes of dust insects and water droplets are attracted to the interdimensional portals in which orbs come through all right so it all makes perfect sense yeah, See? Yep. All right. So you hear about this hotel. You hear about this haunted room. Okay. Room 22, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. You're like, all right. We'll go there. Book it on Travelocity. You know, <laughs> book yourself in a hotel room. You're sitting there. You're waiting. Staring at the ceiling. You're like, because you're going to give it a shot. You're a sincere skeptic. Then you will give the phenomenon an opportunity to happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe about 1 a.m., 2 a.m. All of a sudden, you see this materialization before you this bright, oh, I'd bright love this shining thing in front of you okay maybe a face yeah. comes there and it's like get out <laughs> okay yeah now, what did you bring with you first of all what did you bring with you on this investigation um well after making sure that you guys weren't there um i i've got friends who use equipment and take along video cameras and emf readers and and stuff and then you've got i've got enemies who take geiger counters and and other things like that um but for me i normally do historical research so i'll i'll uh, investigate the the background of a place see if there is actually a claim to begin Mm -hmm. with if there is uh really a, a story associated with the place and I guess we'll try to prove it or disprove it to begin with by finding out if all the historical points add up. 
I mean, many times there'll be claims about a place and you'll go and do your research on someone who apparently lived there, who died under terrible circumstances uh, and that now haunts the place and that person never existed. Um, so I, I think that's one of the first things that I do anyway. I would just research the background of the place. So it's not as exciting. I certainly don't take equipment. So you don't have anything there with you, any tools or instruments. You're just sitting there, chilling out, drinking your tea. You look up and you see this thing. And now you're like, damn. I'd probably I'd have, a, I'd have a camera. I wouldn't be scoping the place out oh, or okay. doing a stakeout or anything, so, though. Okay, so you go grab your camera. You take some shots, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now what? Okay, you go look at your, the thing, fades away, goes right through the boards, and it's gone, okay? And you look at your camera and you see hmm. some, there's some images there. They're like some bright sort of gauzy looking things but it's obvious when you look at these that you don't have enough evidence to convince anybody else of what you saw what do you do do you do you do you, do you tell i mean who do you tell how do you tell that's that's a really good question because i think what what would we accept as being evidence uh that ghosts exist and the what we're normally presented with are anecdotes and photographs of orbs uh, we haven't been given any firm evidence. That's a really difficult thing to prove. I would seriously, if I encountered something like that as much as I would love to, I would think I was tripping. I'd think that I'd had too much to drink or I'd taken something or mm-hmm. uh, I, I would really be looking at myself, investigating myself before anything else at that point, uh, even if I did have the the photographic evidence. Now, in, uh, in really... all honesty, Karen, like, like, is this, is this what you'd like to think you would do or what you're certain you would do? Because what you're describing is exactly what I would like to think. I would like to think I was like, that was a hell of a hallucination, but it's like, man, I don't know. They're, like, I don't doubt that I just saw my family a few hours ago. And it's like, if this was as plain as day as that, I don't know, man. I think I would be genuinely concerned if I saw something like that. Uh, and I would really be having to take a good look at myself and see uh, if there were any surrounding circumstances that could have led to me having a, a hallucination of some kind. I would be genuinely you, worried about that. Are you going to call your skeptic friends? Are you going to ask them for of their skeptic course. opinions? Of course. I'm going to collaborate you, with my colleagues. You're not worried that they're going to be like, I think Karen has finally lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would think that or that I was going to the dark side and uh, in cahoots with believers. But I'd be getting in contact with Ben Radford and with uh, Joe Nickel and various people from CSI and, and showing them, telling them about my experiences and are there um, any, showing them the evidence are, that I, I had. Are, are, are there any precedents for somebody who's like full on crossed over to the dark side where it's like they were a skeptic and they're like, you know what? There's money in them, their believers. And then full on was like, I was a skeptic, but now I got the proof. And the skeptics don't believe it. Um, I think most people come over from being believers to being skeptics, but you certainly have a lot of people who lie and say, I was a skeptic and then this happened and now I'm a believer. You know, they're not critical thinkers to begin with. Yeah. Wow, Brian, how much money do you think is in something like that? Well, I tell you, like, what, what made me think about it. Wait a minute now. I think we could take a big left turn and make oh. a pretty penny here. What, like think, what? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I think sometimes in jest I have thought it would be good fun after having built up this reputation as being a, a notable supposedly skeptic for 14 years to go to the dark side and say, look, I have this bona fide proof uh, that the paranormal exists. I mean, if anyone could take my word for it. Well, a, a friend of ours actually was in that position. Uh, Richard Garriott, uh, the video game mogul, went to the International Space Station and became mm-hmm. America's first second generation astronaut. And while he was up in the International Space Station, 
he had a real opportunity and it occurred to him he was seriously considering just full on making a joke and saying and saying, you know, oh, I'm seeing something. It's like it makes no sense. It's it's moving weird and, and doing a full on UFO hoax. And the reaction mm-hmm. like, from NASA was so horrified. They're like, no, you have no idea. Please, please, please yeah. do it. You have no idea how long this will haunt us if you do that. But it's just <laughs> like if like an awesome we finally wells. convinced people we landed on the moon. <laughs> exactly. And that, and that took Buzz Aldrin punching a guy in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like, what if there was, a, and now luckily he's in a position where he didn't need the money, but it's like, if there was a mm-hmm. profit motive to boot where you could be the guy who saw the aliens from the international space station, that's gotta be pretty tempting. Yeah. Well, I think there's more money to be made in that side on that side than for us. Unfortunately. So would you would you blog about it? Would you tell people like, hey, look at this crazy? I think I would like the rational part of me says, all right, I would sit there and evaluate if it was a really intense phenomenon. I might go to the hospital and have my blood drawn and <laughs> just so I can have that. So if they want to find if there was something in there and I can hmm. think of all these really rational things. I know I'm going to be on Twitter five minutes later. OMG, just saw, you know, something. <laughs> yeah. And if I did that, people would think I was just joking. Uh, and I think my reputation would be shot. And I think of all of the things that skeptics don't believe in, it's going to be maybe alternative medicine, some aspect of alternative medicine that is going to be proven, you know, that St. John's wart works for depression or something instead of ghosts existing. Yeah. Now, now, would that maybe color your reaction where you're like, I can't admit this in public. It'll, it'll ruin me if I tell everyone. <laughs> I think that's the typical ruse that people would use uh, to say oh, I was a skeptic and now I'm a, a believer because of that. So uh, I think I'd, uh, people would think I was joking or that I was nuts. So you'd keep it a secret. Until I had some more solid evidence. I mean, until I could replicate it or something like that. And oh my God, could, imagine that. That's like, good luck like trying that. That's like having imagination cancer, you know? It's just like you don't tell anyone because you don't want anyone <laughs> to know you're a little bit Suppress touched. Suppress my experience. And, and what if... <laughs> What if this had happened to like every skeptic on the same night? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Like it's the most awkward, like right before Tam and everyone shows up and they all have this awkward, awkward secret where they all had an experience that blew their mind (laughs) and shaked, (laughs) shaken all of their foundations of their beliefs. This, would this be like the greatest prank in history? (laughs) And you guys are magicians. (laughs) To gaslight everybody who's going to Tam the night before the conference. Give them experience that they can't explain oh Oh, my god that would be so awesome if anyone could pull it off it'd be you guys (laughs) but now now the secret's blown we'd be the first ones they would blame so we need an inside man or woman karen (laughs) we we need our own mr smith come on somebody who's got experience smuggling yeti artifacts out of Yeah, but don't don't worry, Karen. Nobody listens to this podcast unless, right. for the good of skepticism, everybody tweeted out that this podcast was available and, and told warning. all of their friends and told them to download it two and three times, just you know, to get that information so we're never able to put in motion this evil plot. Why don't we going to win either way? In fact, they could just tweet out to keep it simple. Let this be a warning to skeptics and a link to this episode. Well, that's a really interesting idea because you know how Randy did the Carlos hoax in Australia in the eighties mm-hmm. uh, to test the gullibility of Australians. It would be really cool to do something like this against skeptics and to. I to gotta show them clean that- his pool while he went to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you got ripped off. Yes. <laughs> so I think it would be cool to turn that on to the skeptics and do something like that to them and show that, yes, we're skeptics. We can still be yeah. fooled. Get one of those CIA-controlled hallucinogenics that has like makes you see <laughs> Jesus or something. Absolutely. I'm all for it. I think, I think, I think if, if we <laughs> put into motion an organized plot to publicly fool uh, the most prominent skeptics around, yeah. that I'm sure that the reaction after they realized what had happened would still be really positive. I'm sure I'm sure they would all handle it really well. <laughs> so who who are we gonna attack then? We're not attacking. This is no lightning. This is no night attack. This is like this is like when we're Hugo walking around in in sideways universe and lost. It's like who do we touch yep. first is the question. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, we're educating. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> Let's do it. Shermer, Randy, who else? <laughs> well, the problem with Shermer, people are like, oh, you just went on another bike ride and passed out. <laughs> <laughs> Steroids. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, it's those all those vitamins you've been taking. You know, something <laughs> yeah. happened. You know, with 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 Randy, um, Randy's been pretty forthcoming when he's had weird or strange stuff that he's seen and with and, his and computer. What it was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or sometimes it has to be IT not. based. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so, it, but and Randy, but Randy too. Randy being older and having heart medications and stuff like that too is that Randy could say I saw this sort of thing and be like, okay, mm. we're we don't assume he's going over the dark side. We just think that it it, it might be something he's taking, interacting with him. You know what? Uh, it's got to be one of the skeptics. Yeah, I'm one of them too. I know. So I'm just saying you're our inside person. Oh, yeah, Rebecca. We'll get her. Right. Sure. All right. She's on the list. Done. They think <laughs> she was just drinking. That's wow. Shoot, that's, there's plausible deniability there. Yeah. Uh, I know I know who we go after. Who? Dawkins. Yeah. Dude. Respectability. When the Pope starts talking about the voices he heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. The majesty of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> The blinding Perfect. luminescence of kingdom come. Starts walking around the skeptics convention in a hair shirt, you know, robe, flogging himself. <laughs> Did you say flogging or fogging himself? Flogging. Flogging okay, himself. Because I thought of fogging and it made me think of the Marilyn Manson when he was at the castle. Walked around fogging himself. <laughs> What's that? He, he walks around with a personal fog machine that emits fog from his crotch. It's the, this is not a joke. No, yeah, there's like pictures online. He has he has a little device with a guy who walks around behind him, and the the guy hits a button and he opens his fly, and a bunch of fog rolls out. God. Like okay, his own, like like his talking. own personal London street corner. <laughs> Peace, super. Exactly. So anyhow, um, we'll just say he's flogging himself. <laughs> flagellating. How's that? Yeah, there you go. Flagellating himself. No way we could misinterpret that word. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I think I'll take Dawkins, the only guy we got to get to. There we go. Actually, I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm done with Dawkins. Who, yeah, who are Watch you me. thinking, Brian? You're thinking of somebody. Um, uh, just say it. No, no, I got, I got nothing. It's like uh, a I, man I known for his rationality and sobriety, Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> you know what? That's actually <laughs> that actually is who I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, same as Rebecca. Yeah. 
Yeah, talk, talk about yeah. Hitchens would definitely be the biggest wasted effort, right? Yes. If, if we're gonna if we're gonna qualify everything, it's like Hitchens comes <laughs> out and says that he saw some crazy proof of uh of, of of you know paranormal or you know extraterrestrial existence, and everyone's like, okay, well, I think we can all connect the dots here, and let's move <laughs> mm-hmm. on. Yeah, he had a bender, yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> just you know weekday. All right, I do want to see the, the, the short film that are the the art house film of like Christopher Hitchens at a bar with an alien or the ghost of Mother Teresa or something like that in the interview that he conducts. Oh yeah, no, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I, I would hate to admit this in a public forum, but like oh, well, Karen, but can we ask you to do it anyway? Here, yeah, Karen is the first person who made me aware that Bender is you know not only a, a euphemism for having drunk too much. But it, but but there's a reason that's the name of the character from Futurama because he drinks so much. I'm a dumbass. I didn't associate that myself, and I was going to say a mother of a blowout. But oh. <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> no, but like like I, I bet that is part of why they called him Bender. I guess yeah, and yeah. I sort of wondered that myself too, but didn't didn't connect it. Wow, guys. I like to think this has <laughs> this been is, a very cathartic experience for all deep. of us. Yeah. I'm glad we just caught this out in the open. Is that interdimensional being still around? Can I ask him for one more wish? <sighs> How about we do some recommendations, guys? All right, recommendation time. Uh, uh, Brian, Andrew, Karen, anybody have anything on, on, on the, the top of their head? Oh, or? my so, God. So, Karen, it can be a movie, it can be a book. Could be a, a uh. magic trick available at andermain.com slash shop. <laughs> Just what do you have to uh. uh, I, I tell you, while you're thinking about it, I, I will say once again how deep I'm getting into uh, Peter F. Hamilton's Night's Dawn trilogy. Um, I, I'm almost done with the first book, and I apologize if anything of interest has happened on any of the podcasts that I normally listen to, but it has been weeks, and I have not listened to any of them because I'm so wrapped up in this. It's a little bit more challenging than the Pandora Star. What was the what was the name of the Pandora Star trilogy? The the first book was Pandora Star. What was the rest of it, Andrew? Like like the I whole... I was in my head just called the Pandora Star trilogy. Yeah, or sure maybe it was, maybe it was. But but uh, but uh, read it, first and foremost. Read Pandora Star. It's amazing. But I'm real. I'm so hungry for Peter F. Hamilton waiting for the third book of the sequel of the Pandora Star trilogy that I started the Night's Dawn trilogy, which is really weird. And it is unforgiving when it starts. It's just like, it says stuff, talks about these quasi-sexual relationships between captains and their biological ships that they're flying around. And so makes- Justin, is that the fourth time Brian has brought up that particular element? Yes. <laughs> there, there certainly seems to be a fixation. It's called anchoring, buddy. We just gotta, you gotta, you gotta find a way to pitch the, the series. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it eventually, you start to understand the world. And once you do, it is a fascinating, bizarre world. Uh, to sink your teeth into. I, I'm really enjoying it. Highly recommend it. Very cool. Uh, I would like to recommend, I think during the last recommendation, I was halfway through or just finished uh, a, a small-time science fiction writer from the 50s, Isaac Asimov. Who was that uh, again? <laughs> his uh, Foundation trilogy. You should really pick it up and read it. You ever turn into um, anything, this guy? I like the fact that Justin's still calling it a trilogy. He doesn't know. Well, I mean, the, the, the that is what I finished for for what uh for what it's worth, and uh, it's all on Audible. I highly, highly, highly recommend it, and I've been uh you know just gibbering about it enough that uh, Andrew, you started re-listening to it as well, right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And this is—I mean—it was one of those uh, embarrassing, glaring, empty pieces of my nerd geek resume is not having uh, read the Foundation trilogy, which uh, or the, the original Foundation trilogy, and, and I've yet to to indulge in the rest of the. You are now it, higher but... than me on that geek ladder. I I also <laughs> have that gaping hole. Yeah. Well, congratulations, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, it, it's fantastic. I, I, I super recommend it, and I will just say this, that there was a moment in which I was pulling uh, in front of a UPS store down here in South Florida when the end of the second book, which is Foundation and Empire, happened. And for those of you who know the books, then you will yeah. understand the plot Or the twist fourth, if you're following the chronological order of the series. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... It's it blew my mind and I was so excited and I recommend everybody have the same experience of mind blowing, incredible osity. Thing to remember when you listen to a read, the first foundation is it feels somewhat disjointed. It's because it was written as four separate stories within the same universe and then got published together. And then the other novels that came after and then the prequels are written before are much more you know consistent stories with characters who carry all the way through. Yes. Well, I mean, I think uh, in, in both the subsequent books, they have big time shifts where kind of everybody's dead. But they, they, they certainly, you linger much, much, much longer with uh, with each storyline. I'm going to go in the nonfiction realm. Right now, I'm in the middle of an absolutely loving The Rational Optimist by Matt Ridley. It's a great, I, I just absolutely love it. It's basically Ridley expounding on what makes pro- for prosperity? Why does society succeed? Why do they fall apart? And his basic premise is that it comes down to trade and not just any kind of trade. The idea that when we become specialized, it's an advantage. And a lot of it's counterintuitive to what we think about what, what you want to be. Is, is self-sufficiency good or bad? And he makes a very, very good argument that if the more self-sufficient you are, the less you're able to prosper because you're not going to have surpluses, you're not going to be able to trade, and you're not going to be able to benefit from that. And he goes from a historical point of view, it goes into contemporary times, talks about the current crisis we're going through, goes back and talks about why did the Roman Empire have the problems that it did? What has happened to all these other sort of great empires and what were really successful civilizations? And talks about how the thing that may have made humans different than Neanderthals was trade. If you looked what a Neanderthal was buried with and you look at the objects they had, Everything they had was made within an hour's walk from where they lived. A contemporary human to that period in time would have things from 100 miles away because they were trading with other people. And he goes through to dispel arguments made by other people, even people like I like, like uh, Jared Diamond, who, who thinks that like early forms of trade were purely ceremonial, people were self-sufficient. He, he goes to show that's not the case, that any time that we engaged in trade, we became very, very prosperous. And societies that don't trade with other societies decline in atrophy and have some great examples of that. So that's one of the counterintuitive things there. And then basically debunking a lot of the myths or the ideas we have about self-sufficiency. Should we be growing food locally or should we import it? And the problems of that, protectionism, all these things. It's a fantastic read. And it's... It, I saw a mention of it. Like you just read when he gets an article posted or somewhere and there's just vitriol that come from people who are just totally opposed to any of this idea who won't actually go and look at these arguments because we've been very almost indoctrinated into thinking certain things that we need to be production, you know, protectionist, that we need to be 
self-sufficient to the point that we don't need anything from anywhere else and basically demonstrates that prosperity comes from trading with other peoples. So that is The Rational Optimist by Matt Ridley. I think it undermines two books that I thought were very well-written and had good points. For instance, Guns, Germs, and Steel and Collapse, which got a lot of attention. I think it very much undermines the premise of those books. And the basic idea behind The Rational Optimist is he's got a very, very positive outlook and shows that the best years are ahead of us, that if you look at along prosperity, population, all these things, you know, we're probably never going to reach 10 billion people in this century because population's declining globally and prosperity increases when we let it free and things, great things are here to come. Every generation's pessimistic about its future, optimistic about its past, but it's time to reverse it. This sounds awesome. I will definitely check this out because I'm one of those, uh, one of those like, I don't know, in your face optimists. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You get the idea. I love the book. I don't know if that came across. Yeah, that's really interesting. It makes me think about uh, trade really had far reaching social effects uh, on class. Uh, and so I think with merchants and people making money for themselves, it really brought about a social mobility. And I've read a few books on that, too. That's Wait, interesting. He gets into he talks about one of the things that happens is that as you have tra trade came before cities and then when you had trade and you had wealth and you started to build cities, all of a sudden, he started to create administrations to run these cities, and then they wanted to try to control trade. And then the declines of the Roman Empire and the Greeks happened when they became when they started creating these rigid class structures, and mm -hmm. basically ended up doing protectionism. You know, the the nephew of the emperor was the only one to allowed to import wool, and then when he was able to control the wool imports, sure he made some money, but all of a sudden, people who wanted to make garments from it couldn't, and it became they lost a whole industry there while somebody benefited from a lot. And we know a lot about the Greeks and the Romans, but we don't know a lot about the Phoenicians because the Phoenicians weren't building big empires; they were building these big trading empires, but they are you know these big trade networks, and they spread far and wide, and we feel their you know their influence. But we tend to think of history about the people who built the big armies and the big the big, you know, administrations, yet history seems to be written by the people who traveled and traded and exchanged ideas. And that's what it gets to its heart is we prosper by exchanging ideas. It's interesting. I think you mentioned that on Facebook, didn't you? And Twitter. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm a big fan of the book, Karen. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what are you getting out of it? I, <laughs> Checks I, in the mail. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I was one of those people that when I discovered a certain couple authors, a few authors, and I talked to friends who I thought were pretty smart people, and I found out that they liked the same authors. And not because they agreed with what they said, because they changed the way I looked at things. And Richard Dawkins was one of those people. Richard Dawkins mm -hmm. changed the way I looked at a lot of things, not just the, the evolution stuff, the meme stuff, which is just a powerful idea. Uh, Daniel Dennett was another person that changed the way I look at stuff. Then uh, Steven Pinker. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then Matt Ridley, you know, it was those, you know, the, the three, the strongest three for me were Dawkins, Pinker and Ridley and, and Dennett very much for tying a lot of those things together. Maybe they'll write a slash fiction about you guys. Oh, <laughs> well played, Karen. Well played. So do I You're, get my recommendation? Of course you do. Uh, now your turn. Yeah, you get your recommendation. I only have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. Andrew, oh, shit. I'm going to ingratiate myself with my colleagues and recommend Ben Radford's new book, Scientific Paranormal Investigation. Uh, and so that's a book uh, that's really anti ghost hunters and all of those shows. And it's the first book that's out there that really says, how can we use the scientific method to investigate uh, 
uh, hauntings and various paranormal claims. So it's now, really... does it encourage people to do their own ghost investigations but use science with it, or is it more just a debunking of the methods by the guys you see on TV? Well, it's really looking at various cases. I think with these things, you, you can't, it's difficult to to say this is how you do it. There are so many ways uh, that are, there are very many ways that you can go uh, about doing this sort of thing and be incorrect, and there are very few right ways of doing it. Uh, so it's just looking at case by case and saying this is how you would approach this particular case. Uh, and I guess in some ways it does encourage, it doesn't really try to encourage people to go and do their investigations and, and uh, trespass on private uh, property and things like that. But at the same time, it's saying if you're going to do it, then this is the best way that you can uh, execute this. Well, let me ask you a question then, Karen. And that mm-hmm. I've had, I've had uh, a handful of people ask me about going on ghost hunting, going on ghost expeditions or what have you. Mm-hmm. And they're non-believers. They don't believe in ghosts. They're, right. they're not skeptics. They don't, care enough to be skeptics but they know the ghost hunting shows are complete bull they're and mm-hmm. i i think i think most people as a whole population know they're bull they're people who watch them who are intensely think that they're real and hmm. you know the, the different sort of question but to me a lot of it is just it, it's the fun it's the fun and the mystery of it the idea of let's let's it's scooby-doo let's go on a mystery let's go to this spooky place and oh yeah yeah i've never met a skeptic that didn't want to see a ghost or didn't want to have a paranormal experience well, I mean, even these people aren't expecting. I mean, they're really not yeah. expecting that's going to happen. They just no. like the idea of, and you know, not so the trespassing side, but hey, it's mm-hmm. something fun to go do. It's an experience to go do that. And, yeah. you know, I. There's an idea in that. Uh, I guess you're going to ask, uh, what can they do? Where can they go? And I guess a lot of places will offer historical tours as well as ghost hunting tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually the ghost hunting ones just are not worth the money at all. And the historical tours are usually quite interesting and you can ask about, uh, you know, folkloric stories associated with the place. But I guess there there is an idea in there that sceptics could uh, set up these scientific investigations and somehow invite sceptics to come along and participate. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if you've seen when we've done one of our weird things live. Um I don't think we probably go by the book <laughs> as no. far as how an investigation should be done. <laughs> well, there's only only now is there a book, and even still, yeah. it is it's yeah. subjective in many ways. So that's great. That that sounds really good. So where can they find uh, Ben's book, Mr. Radford's book? I believe you can get it on Amazon at the moment, um, and I've got a small section in there myself about some investigations that I've done. And so Randy's actually in there too, and Joe Nicol and a number of other investigators oh. uh, have contributed sections. Well, actually, if so, you go here to radfordbooks.com, I see you can get it from there, and he'll do a sign. He'll sign it for you. Oh, there you go. Cool. Very cool. Absolutely. Looks great. I, I, I like, I love, I love it when, like, one of the things I think what's great about what you do is you actually go out to these places and you go look at this stuff. You study the history and you do that. You don't do armchair skepticism where you just sit there and say, bull, 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 which is very, very valuable. Yeah. And uh, I've spoken with a number of people lately. I did an interview with Steve Novella and he mentioned armchair skeptics and he said, we need them too. We certainly do need people who uh, are going to educate and uh, you know, teach critical thinking to others, and you don't always have to be out there investigating things and uh, and you know, actually participating in this sort of stuff. You can just be a skeptic and spread that amongst you know, your family and friends, and 
Uh, I think there's validity to all of the roles that we play, skeptical interdependence. Yeah, I, I mean, let me qualify. I mean, I mean, like I, I would get frustrated where I would read a lot of polemics and stuff and skeptical literature by people who never, oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that was frustrating to me. It was, it was, hey, look at me, I'm an intellectual and I know this stuff is bunk. It's like, all right. but Oh, yeah. Yeah. And these are often the people who say, well, why do you do that? You know that you're not going to find anything. Why do you <laughs> persist? And I'll and tell yeah, you that- why, because it's awesome to camp out in a haunted freaking hobo ridden abandoned hotel <laughs> for a night <laughs> yep cool well i think this wraps up this episode of weird things the podcast karen thank you so much for your patience uh, it's oh. a thank you karen thank you for thank having me this has been karen. fun uh we hope you mean that uh <laughs> i do i do i've enjoyed myself <laughs> all right we don't get we don't get company here often and sometimes it shows <laughs> Welcome so, to our basements. We're so yeah. glad. Girls that Mom don't let really a girl want to come here. down here to hang out. <laughs> oh, no, I've had so, fun. Thank you. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, um, well, they could check out pointofinquiry.org uh, or monstertalk as well. Dot, I think that's dot com. Uh, I write a column for CSI called The Naked Skeptic and the Bad Language column in Skeptic Magazine, too. So okay. people yes. just want to Google my name and I guess you'll come up with the uh, skep bitch my blog or bad language my Whoa. website too skep bitch skep bitch yeah skep bitch sorry is Brian that it's is. taken yeah <laughs> I thought you are going to edit this out I've, I've tried um, very hard not to swear throughout this the proceedings of this oh, show oh dude next up the skep okay <laughs> alright okay. what alright alright not gratuitously <laughs> and course, uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. Fantastic! So uh, I followed her, Brian, and Justin should too. And I so am everybody listening. I am Justin as of is right yes. Now. Yes. Oh, thank you. I'm flattered. So I, I, I thank you so much for for being a part of this and uh, and thank elevating you. our podcast. We hope we can have you back. And we and, also and debasing we, you. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, in correcting me where I'm, I'm flagrantly wrong. Um, <laughs> you won't forget that, will you? Uh, no, no, I do. I act, no, it's good. I, I, I actually it is is, I, I get away with far too much because Brian and Justin just too dumb. Get, no, Don't know you, anything. You, no, they put too much confidence in things that I say. Uh, let me tell <laughs> you, dude. Them. If there's one show that's going to be pretty quick to admit we're not all that bright, <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> that is for sure. So thank you, thank you for listening. It's been weird. Steve Hydric, Steve Hydric, Steve Hydric.